Lord God, we thank you that it is you who have been from the beginning. It is you who put the foundations of the earth in place. It is you who sits above the circle and looks down. Inhabitants of the earth to you are simply like grasshoppers. For it is you who stretched out the heavens. It is only you who can say that the princes and rulers of this world are as nothing to you. Even the most powerful in this world, even the ones who everyone turns and looks towards, uh, yet none are like you. You are the Holy One. Uh, You are all-seeing. You are the great uh, creator God who uh, brings out uh, the host of stars, uh, who uh, calls everything uh, by name. It is you who is strong and mighty in power. You are the one who does not grow weary, who does not faint. And so we thank you that we can bring all things to you. We thank you that in the turmoil of this world, in all that's gone on in the last week in uh, politics, uh, whatever our thoughts or our feelings are about that, we thank you that uh, these things you are sovereign over. We thank you that your hand graciously restrains uh, so much evil in this world. We thank you that in your grace and mercy you give common grace, you give understanding in small ways uh, to people, even those who do not follow you, so that they might rule in ways that would reflect uh, just some of your standards in this world. And so, Lord, we pray that as uh, new politicians uh, have been put into place and we pray that you would put those around them uh, who would uh, speak of your law and your commands, Uh, ones who would echo uh, your great love for this world, Uh, ones who would uh, speak um, to give great freedom uh, for your gospel in this world and in this land. Lord, we pray, have mercy. And so, Lord, uh, we uh, look to the nations and we're also aware of great turmoil uh, during these days. And not uh, a week goes past without another country uh, being reported to be in turmoil, uh, without more protests, uh, whether it be against uh, governments and ruler, uh, whether it be against particular issues um, of uh, poverty, of climate Um, of injustice and so we come and we uh, bring all of these things to you we pray for those who this very day will be oppressed uh, by other humans we pray uh, for great wisdom for our leaders and for each one of us uh, to uh, keep in mind the great needs um, and great injustices in this world. We pray for great wisdom uh, for your church and your people to be able to respond uh, to different uh, types of protest uh, going on. 
We pray uh, particularly uh, for the growing uh, protests about climate all over this world. And we pray that you would give us wisdom uh, to live in light of uh, who you are as the creator God and what you have called us to do as we continue uh, to care for this world. As you continue to give us uh, this role of uh, looking after this world um, and seeking uh, to uh, do our best to act in light of who you are. Uh, Lord Jesus, uh, so many things uh, we are unsure about and we need uh, your wisdom. Uh, so would you be uh, very real and amongst us in practical ways as we seek to help each other in these things. We think of uh, issues of protest in other countries. We think of in North Africa this week how your church uh, continues to be greatly uh, persecuted, um, how uh, leaders of your church uh, were hauled before the courts uh, right across uh, that region this week. Um, Lord, we thank you that uh, you were gracious in that regard in freeing uh, some of them. And yet in other ways, uh, many are still detained uh, in Algeria and uh, beyond. We think of your people in Libya who uh, wouldn't even be brought before court but would uh, face uh, more violent uh, ends. And so as um, your church seeks to know what to do in response to this, we pray again that you would give them great wisdom and that you would be very real with them in such time of great turmoil. And so, Lord, uh, for these and many other things that hit our new screens and even the things that don't, uh, we bring them to you and pray that um, you would give your people wisdom that you give us a great heart for the worldwide church uh, to join uh, with them in so many hard situations. And so, Lord, uh, we pray um, even for our own uh, land, our own town uh, here in Crumlin, um, as we remember the Lord Jesus, as this season uh, provides great opportunities to speak of him, and at a time when many would enter church buildings who don't normally uh, do so, uh, Lord, we pray that your words would go out in power uh, to uh, protesting and rebellious people. We thank you that you're a God who we remember we ourselves were once those who protested and rebelled against you. Uh, we are Ourselves were ones who were far off, and yet even in that situation, you stepped down, um, you spoke into our lives, uh, you came near to us in the person of the Lord Jesus, um, and we found refuge in him in this uh, troublesome world. And we pray that this Christmas you would continue to do that uh, in this area. We pray that as these different events uh, are going on both in this building and elsewhere um, and across our land that you would be gracious to call uh, others uh, to you uh, from the most unlikely of uh, peoples uh, through to those perhaps even who sit uh, week by week in our midst and among us. Uh, so Lord, uh, would you be gracious to us in all of these things um, and in many others that are on our hearts uh, this morning. For you are faithful and have always been so very gracious.
in your son's name and for his glory. Amen. And we're going to turn to God's words and read uh, together uh, from Acts uh, chapter 20. From the the book of Acts uh, chapter 20. And we'll be reading verses uh, 1 to 16 uh, this morning. Acts chapter 20, uh, verses 1 to 16. Let's read uh, God's words. After the uproar ceased, Paul sent for the disciples, and after encouraging them, he said farewell and departed for Macedonia. When he had gone through those regions and had given them much encouragement, he came to Greece. There he spent three months, and when a plot was made against him by the Jews as he was about to set sail for Syria, he decided to return through Macedonia. Sopater of Berea, the son of uh, Paris, from Berea accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and the Asians, uh, Tychicus and Trophimus. These went on ahead and were waiting for us at Troas, but we sailed away from Philippi after the days of unleavened bread, and in five days we came to them at Troas, where we stayed for seven days. On the first day of the week, when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and he prolonged his speech until midnight. There were many lamps in the upper room where we were gathered. And a young man named Eutychus, sitting at the window, sank into a deep sleep as Paul talked still longer. And being overcome by sleep, he fell down from the third story and was taken up dead. But Paul went down and bent over him, and taking him in his arms said, Do not be alarmed, for his life is in him. And when Paul had gone up and had broken bread and eaten, Uh, He conversed uh, with them a long while until daybreak, and so departed. And they took the youth away alive, and were not a little comforted. But going ahead to the ship, we set sail for Assos, intending to take Paul aboard there, for so he had arranged, intending himself to go by land. And when he met us at Assos, we took him on board and went to Mytilene. And sailing from there, we came the following day uh, opposite Chios. The next day, we touched at Samos, and the day after uh, that we went to Miletus. For Paul had decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Well, do uh, keep your, your Bibles open uh, there at that passage, and we'll continue to uh, look at it uh, together uh, this morning. Um, I don't know whether you've uh, ever been in a riot uh, yourself. Um, uh, my generation or a generation who are largely uh, ones that didn't know of uh, the troubles in this land, uh, certainly not the full uh, 
the full climax of the Troubles. Um, if you were uh, around during those years, I'm sure you'll remember the horrific things uh, that happened the times that you didn't want to uh, go out of your front door, um, the times that we don't want our lands ever to have to uh, go through again. Uh, certainly growing up in the North Belfast DPC congregation, I remember uh, the times where uh, going to church on a Sunday morning was hard, uh, even for the roadblocks uh, around it, uh, for the violence on the, uh, on the community uh, borders, uh, of the tension uh, that could be felt as you drove uh, through or walked through uh, such areas, even on the way to church. Um, but um, as I lived in Cork for seven years, um, uh, I also went uh, through other types of, uh, not quite riots, but certainly rallies on the streets. Uh, we were at a, a tiny pro-life rally once, um, just a few of us um, on, on the street in the build-up to one of the referendum campaigns in the south of Ireland, uh, wanting to show our support uh, for those who would uh, keep uh, their, uh, uh, child, uh, un uh, their unborn child alive. Uh, yet soon in what we were doing, uh, the situation turned uh, very different. You know, what we were doing was quietly standing there. And uh, yet soon what gathered around us uh, was a huge protesting crowd of a different nature. Many of them started yelling uh, untrue things for hours upon hours. It was nearly impossible to escape for the several hundred people that had gathered hemming us in. Uh, so many of them dressed in black, in witches' costumes, in other things, uh, breathing out vitriol against us and against uh, what we might have stood for. Things like that affect you. Uh, chanting in your face for hours upon hours uh, can be scary and certainly made us feel, should we have spent our Saturday afternoon in a slightly more pleasant way, staying at home, not speaking up at all. Uh, the Christians in that group afterwards were feeling very deflated and even though we'd had some brilliant conversations with those there, it would seem that many were just feeling like it wasn't worth it. But in our passage uh, this morning, uh, we've just come from uh, one of those uh, settings in Acts chapter uh, 19. Uh, a riot has gone on in Ephesus. If the Christians had been standing up for what they believed in, and the crowds had gathered uh, chanting for hours belligerently in their face. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. Great is Artemis of the Ephesians. They went on. 
Perhaps half of what they were shouting wasn't because they'd all logically come to a certain uh, conclusion, or for some of them it might not have been anything to do with anything, Uh, but for many they felt their pride was at stake. Uh, Their lifestyle in some cases they felt was endangered, and so they got emotional But today, uh, this morning, uh, we're going to look at Paul's reaction uh, to such an event and what they got up to on their mini-mission team afterwards. And for that, I'd love us uh, to to learn uh, just five brief things this morning that we can put into practice today, uh, this week, and into our lives ahead in a world uh, that uh, is increasingly about protest and no doubt uh, will uh, continue to be about such um, over many, uh, many issues. And so firstly, uh, number one, uh, what can we learn today? Um, uh, Firstly, uh, Paul is a great encourager. Uh, You'll see that in these opening verses. Uh, Paul encouraged the team and the people around Um, even in the midst of such highly emotional events. You see, as I've already said, these uh, these events always take more out of us uh, than we realize. Uh, Things like riots, things like clashes, uh, personality differences even, or even emotional things like uh, breaking up of relationships, um, whatever that would uh, have looked like in in your life. We can't just uh, issue some trite uh, Christian phrases off the back of such things. Uh, Things like, oh, don't worry, God's on the throne. God works all things for good. Uh, That might be true, and it might be a spiritual answer. But I'm more convinced that those who utter such things are just those who are shoving the problem underneath the carpets. I don't know whether you uh, remember playing hide-and-seek around your house uh, when kids were small, Um, but uh, some of the the places where uh, kids uh, hide uh, uh, when playing such games are really, really obvious, aren't they, as adults? Uh, Perhaps uh, you look at them and you see a rug moving uh, and a body under it. Uh, Perhaps you see uh, feet sticking out from underneath curtains, Uh, or uh, things like that. Uh, Such things hiding uh, from uh, adults who can see these things are uh, just quite silly, but it's not so uh, obvious to the kids playing the game. Um, But so is trying to hide away uh, such emotional events and things that are dear to our hearts. We love to pretend that things are happens that are in the past, That happened a year ago, and uh, we say, and so uh, we think that that's uh, long done and dusted. But ultimately, so many of these things continue to have impacts in our lives. Uh, Ultimately, we must be those who press the gospel in and apply it to all things uh, long after uh, the situation has passed. Because we don't want to just get ourselves back to feeling okay again, spiritually neutral. Uh, We want to be a congregation. We want to be people uh, that base ourselves in the gospel 
and uh, encourages each other with it uh, long after uh, such things. I know uh, one of my friends who I grew up with, um, who uh, I'm always uh, so challenged by, uh, so encouraged by, uh, because uh, no matter what is going on in life, um, he'll turn around and he'll always have uh, something encouraging to remind us of, even in uh, the quite hard situations. Uh, He'll be quick uh, to build me and others up in the gospel He'll be quick to lift our eyes upwards uh, to God. He is so very different than my heart at times that can be very quick to come out with cynical thoughts. uh, Things that uh, would uh, have us looking far from who God is and that he is in control. (laughs) Yet my heart is not what Paul's heart is It would not have been very good post-riot for Paul to go about analysing every tiny detail of how the Christians acted in that situation. Uh, Yes, all things have their time and place, um, but uh, these people had been through much in this riot, in this uh, chanting, in this uh, hatred nearly shown to them. And what Paul wanted to do uh, was to encourage. He knew that these uh, beleaguered Christians were on his side, standing for truth, uh, standing for who Christ was in a very hard situation. It was brilliant what they had done, and he wanted to encourage them. He says that several times in those verses as he uh, not only was there before he departs uh, in verse 1, but then also as he goes about the region encouraging others. And that's the same for our situation here, isn't it? As we seek to reach out, um, we will uh, face a different opposition. And regardless of uh, some minor differences that we might have with each other as Christians in how we live and how we act, in how we live out our lives here in the world, uh, let's be those who uh, firstly come and encourage each other uh, with the gospel week by week. Even when we don't see eye to eye on specific things, a culture of suspicion in a church will kill a church all too quickly. And let's uh, be those who keep the main thing, the main thing in our encouragements, who overlook uh, minor things um, and who don't talk about them a lot. Let's be consumed, uh, not with the news headlines of protests or other things going on in the world, but to remind each other of how God is acting, how God is at work uh, by his gracious providence in this world, in, in small ways in our lives and also in big. Let's be those uh, as a church who are known primarily for our warm-hearted, Jesus-centered words and actions in this world so that uh, the protesters, whoever they are in your life, in my life, in the world around us, are given nothing to focus on but lots to ponder about the Lord Jesus. Let's be encouragers uh, like uh, Paul 
for we have a wonderful God who is encouragingly at work amongst us. So that was firstly, uh, let's be encouragers. Uh, Secondly, uh, what Paul does uh, is, uh, Paul is one who is affirmed by the churches. Paul is affirmed by the churches. In verse 4, we read of six other men who accompany Paul on this journey and mission. They're from various churches around the world, from different areas. It was obvious that this pastoral heart of this world evangelist uh, that uh, was something that Paul had. Uh, it was enough to draw together a great team of people from diverse backgrounds to travel with him and to reach out. Uh, many of us will realize that this is no mean feat. It's not easy to get other men to leave their local connections, uh, their jobs, or the other things that they'd had, and head off for a year or whatever period of time to do something uh, that shifts the patterns of life so much. Uh, To think that their job description might have been something like this. It must be willing to endure riots. It must be willing to be on the road with many uncertainties. It must be able to relate to other cultures and serve the church well. It must be men willing to die to themselves and live for Christ. It's not an easy ask, is it? A, A job description that you might relish. Yes, Paul was perhaps a gifted leader who who wanted to learn from him, but the cost was huge. Yet this pattern of living is always the way with Paul. Uh, We never throughout the book of Acts uh, see him without a team gathered around him. Unless, uh, in one instance at least, he was waiting for this team elsewhere. The Apostle Paul was never a lone wolf. I wonder whether that impresses you. Uh, when you're tempted to throw in the towel with, uh, with a random bunch of folk, uh, perhaps that God draws to be part of this congregation and his worldwide church, when you think that the job description that Jesus calls us to on his mission is just too much, When you think there's too few people who think like you do about this world and about faith. It can seem like such a lonely walk, can't it? It can so often tempt us to just throw in the towel in various ways, small and big. To go off by ourselves, where we feel we could go quicker on with the Christian faith by ourselves. Or to unite together with just, just people that seem to get it, who think like us, who behave like us. But Paul is so very different here in this passage. Paul, even as an apostle, a, a sent one, like himself, possibly one of the most gifted and uniquely equipped to do exactly that by himself, because of his background and gifts that God had given him, yet he realizes that this isn't an option. Uh, 
In fact, he sees that part of the reason he is a sent one, sent by God, yes, definitely, is that he is also affirmed by the church. He's sent by them on this mini-mission team, as we saw best, probably back in Acts chapter 13, that perhaps you can look at later. Now, that's hard for us to take in, isn't it? If you're anything like me, uh, this year I've been, uh, I left Cork uh, in the start of September, uh, called um, uh, to uh, chat with Stramala Session about what future ministry might look like, uh, called uh, to Belfast uh, for uh, a year at least. And I've been told uh, during these few months since I left Cork, and as I was leaving Cork by one's Christians uh, leaders in Cork and elsewhere, why, Peter, do you bother to go and spend a year uh, talking about uh, future things? Why not just get on with it? You'd be far quicker and far better off uh, that way. The world is perishing Uh, Just get out there and get on with mission. Others would say that we'd be far better abandoning denominations or uh, particular groupings um, and just uh, getting off and doing uh, whatever we feel God calls us to. And it's probably true in some ways that in some ways uh, one is far faster uh, going alone But it's not God's goal. It's not God's way of working. And uh, long term, it's not as effective. Our goal is God's glory, his fame, uh, to see his body honoured in the task of bringing him glory. And so, uh, like the Apostle Paul Let's live that out and be team players, uh, whether in church or in evangelistic endeavors sent out by uh, lots of churches together. Because for our sake, for our godliness, for our flourishing, and for the good of his church, uh, not to mention his glory, God has called us to, uh, uh, to be people uh, together. So uh, Paul is a great encourager. Uh, Paul is a great uh, team uh, player. Uh, Thirdly, here in our passage today, uh, we see Paul is a user of God's ordinary means. Uh, We may marvel uh, at uh, just how ordinary uh, some of the things uh, the Bible calls us to do uh, are. In verses 7, 8, and 11, uh, Paul uh, shows us uh, what some of these ordinary means are that God has uh, ordained for us. His community, his words, and his remembrance meal. You see, uh, God tells us that these things will do something in our lives. Uh, They'll galvanize our faith. Uh, They'll strengthen us when used in the ways uh, that he wants. Or they'll also uh, often harden our hearts when not received by faith, when not used uh, correctly. 
You see, Paul here, despite his gifts, despite his cultural understandings, despite everything else that he seems so capable in, does not reinvent the wheel. He does not say, you must be primarily uh, like me, the apostle. No, uh, Paul the apostle points us back to what God has long ordained Uh, These things um, are rooted in the Godhead, rooted in the God who we worship. These things will never change. God's word is at the core of his being. As we meet his living word in his written word, uh, by the power of the spirit, we'll be changed more like him. As we meet each other, uh, many will know that we are his disciples uh, because of our love for one another in community. And as we have communion together, he communes with us and acts by using uh, these things taken in faith to mold us and to shape us uh, more into his likeness as his people. You see, this is good news that he uses these ordinary things that uh, we have. Uh, it means that we don't need to go off hunting after after. Uh, trying to interpret how God is working in the world in uh, different other things, in different other ways. We can come in full confidence that this, these things, are where God will so clearly speak. We can come in full confidence to know that it's in these things that he will regularly work. And Paul dies to self in this regard He could tell of his unique insights to the culture and tell everyone that it's about what he knows of it. Uh, He could uh, uh, selflessly model that it's nothing new, just these ordinary means that he chooses to do. And can I urge you in our lives and ministries, uh, can we expect God uh, to be using those same uh, ordinary means? things. Um, I lead uh, United Beach Mission teams in the south of Ireland, uh, interdenominational uh, teams that seek to reach uh, some of the most uh, least reach uh, places on uh, this island uh, in, the, in the south. Um, and so often we'll always start our morning with God's word and with praying for something uh, that isn't uh, our own work on the beaches. And uh, one morning uh, of each team, I always like to uh, thank God for those who he has worked in our lives uh, uh, through other people. So to thank God for um, those who have spiritually brought the gospel to us and have shaped us. Yet uh, as we pray... Um, uh, uh, quite often we'll uh, remind uh, those as we go around and share of the uh, people in our lives who we're very thankful for uh, God's bringing. As I'll often share that it's quite often the ordinary uh, people in our lives who God has used. The pastor who may not get podiums at international conferences uh, but faithfully preaches God's words week by week. By week, the Sunday school teacher, who uh, again, uh, whose work probably goes unseen and uh, many times probably unthanked, and yet 
their faithful teaching of our young ones um, has been such a foundation for so many of us in our faith. Some of the least impressive people in this world holding out God's ordinary means of working have been so influential in my life and I'm sure in many others too. And so even if you find it hard to do this or uh, find uh, some, spe- uh, some people speaking here to be from a different world to your own, uh, please bear patiently with them and let's try and learn from God's words together, even when it's hard, uh, shaping our lives around his words, his community and his remembrance meal. Uh, fourthly, um, uh, Paul. Uh, we uh, firstly was uh, Paul was an encourager. Secondly, uh, Paul was a team player. Uh, thirdly, Paul was a, a user of God's ordinary means. And um, fourthly, uh, Paul's message was authenticated by extraordinary means. You see, uh, the Apostle Paul was living in a time where the Scriptures had not yet been uh, completed. Uh, Who knew who to follow or who was telling the truth? Well, Paul's uh, dying to himself was a start. He wasn't pointing to himself all the time like many who would have spoken out in those days would have been. His affirmation by the church was a huge reason why people should know to trust him and to uh, believe the gospel that he was preaching But here, God, like elsewhere in the prophets and his sent ones, affirms Paul by allowing him to raise this man who fell to his death from the third floor window. Eutychus, that uh, young man uh, falling asleep um, uh, during uh, Paul's uh, uh, preaching of God's words, uh, when Paul holds out uh, the words of life to many, um, falling to his death. And yet, uh, life being brought back into his lungs. Paul's message was authenticated by extraordinary means. Can we expect God to do such today? Well, we have the scriptures. We, We don't need verification for our ministries as such. But at the same time, neither should we limit God uh, to just using his ordinary means of working, much as he says that's normally how he will operate in this world. Uh, God is God. He can do things however he wants. And often it's these extraordinary things, experiences or events, that will bring about paradigm shifts in our lives. Momentous uh, moments Uh, things that uh, everything just clicks for us and dawns on us. Moments of horrendous pain or moments of uh, ecstatic joy. Events or one-off talks. Things he brings back into our minds in weird ways and even sometimes miracles. You see, because God, our God, is a generous father. Uh, He overflows from his heart to his creation. 
He wants our best. He desires that we come to him in a learning posture, ready to take in everything that he has for us in Christ, to enjoy him, to glorify him in all things. And in that way, he'll often surprise us in how good he is and in what ways he gets us to recognize that I have, uh, as I've worked amongst the Muslim community down in Cork, um, I uh, have also taken trips off to remote parts of North Africa and other Muslim people groups which have no church, no Bible in their language, and no Christian around them. As I met uh, one man in one of those parts, uh, he said that he had had a, a dream, and he told me of the dream of uh, someone... Uh, and uh, someone who, when he told me the story, he essentially was telling me a Bible story. I recognized the story as one of the gospel stories. For him, when he asked uh, what his dream might have meant, and dreams play quite big emphasis in such uh, cultures, I was able to uh, say uh, that I'd certainly heard a similar story about a man called uh, Jesus Christ, more than a prophet, God himself walking amongst us. Uh, the trouble is, I, I think, in our world, um, perhaps God graciously uses such things. And the, the trouble lies, of course, when we place too much emphasis on these extraordinary events. Uh, we start uh, praying for them at a way far beyond what the scriptures uh, give us emphasis of, uh, far beyond uh, what we turn to his ordinary means in doing. And yet if God tells us that he will speak and act in a certain way, we're primarily to seek him in that. Yes, sometimes God does grant uh, churches and individuals, uh, extraordinary things uh, that they want in an act of his generosity. Even when his promises don't suggest that we should uh, be constantly uh, pestering and seeking some of these things. God incidences, God's providence using the most bizarre things in this world. And so yet we, we come and we uh, hear him far more clearly and wonderfully speaking in the scriptures. But let's not abandon uh, his extraordinary working. Let's come with expectant hearts to him, for we have a God who is capable of anything, Lord of all. And yet finally, we've seen uh, Paul's a great encourager. Uh, Paul's a team player. Uh, Paul is a, a user of God's ordinary means. Uh, Paul is also authenticated by God's extraordinary means. And finally, and more briefly, um, Paul heads selflessly towards uh, Jerusalem. Uh, we see this twice in our passage, if you still got that open in, in front of you. Um, and in the surrounding chapters, if you read them this afternoon, uh, you'll see that again, uh, that something is driving Paul on towards Jerusalem. We're not told explicitly what it is, apart from the fact that uh, he wants to get there by the day of Pentecost uh, when it arrives uh, could it be that he wants to deliver an offering from all the churches uh, that are part of that mini-mission team uh, represented uh, there 
together. Uh, could it be that he, he publicly wants to make a statement of the unity of the churches uh, in all those who are united at the gospel at that time of Pentecost? Uh, might it be that the festival is just one of the many festivals uh, that these uh, people treasure because the rich experience and history of the early church? A bit like the Jewish uh, festival days that everyone would have known and come together for something that they didn't want to miss. Uh, whatever the reason that Paul is driving onwards towards uh, Jerusalem, and I won't speculate to say uh, what that uh, definitely is, uh, the spirit here is compelling him. And Paul is pushing outwards uh, towards this. He knows uh, that hardship will be around the corner, and uh, he's blocked by different violent uh, religious groups in different places. And yet, he continues... One can't uh, help but think of another man of the scriptures um, who pushed onwards towards Jerusalem. From the, the text of one of the Gospels uh, that tells us time and time again of uh, the Lord Jesus, of a similar risk that lay ahead of him. Paul follows in Christ's footsteps uh, towards the uh, Jerusalem, not knowing what's going to face him ahead. He follows in the footsteps of one willing to lay down his life for the sake of the people, uh, one who died instead of the people and for the people. In Jesus, we find one who died for their sin. Uh, you see, uh, Christ's sacrificial atoning death is not something that Paul could ever replicate. For Paul, although uh, this was a case that he couldn't replicate it, he is still sent by his Savior. He is one who is, yes, in great need of salvation, and he's acutely aware of that. Yet Paul knows the gospel call. He knows that unless a grain of seed falls into the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The good news calls us to our death. For Paul, that's a physical death as well. But for most of us this morning, It'll simply be dying to ourselves each day that we might live for him and overflow to serve others around us. What would that look like this morning for us as a congregation here in 2019 in Crumlin? Perhaps that just might be developing friendships in the community and hanging out with people who are radically different to us that we find it hard to mix with. And making that a regular weekly pattern of our lives. Perhaps it might mean enduring all sorts of other hardships each week. Yet not being consumed by them. But still serving others and looking outwards. Perhaps it would mean just simply some of the things we've been considering this morning. Of being encouragers, keeping the main thing the main thing, being those who are quick to point each other upwards, uh, quick to, uh, to say positive of those around us, even when that's difficult, even when that's hard.
being team players together with people who you don't really quite get on with or see eye to eye with. Dying to ourselves and living for him occurs in lots of small, simple ways. So in light of all the protests that are going on in our world and will continue to go on in our world, whether international, whether national, or whether just uh, in the community around us as we see people rebelling away from God, uh, protesting against the things of him, whether vocally, outwardly, obviously, or whether just quietly in their apathy and their cold-heartedness to the things of Jesus. Let us respond uh, similarly to this uh, mission team of Paul's. May we be encouragers this morning, for we have such an encouraging gospel and God. May we be team players this morning, uh, for uh, that is how God has called us uh, to live and to be uh, sharpened more into his likeness uh, together. Um, may we be those who turn to God's ordinary means primarily, for that's how God has promised to work in this world. And may we be those who are expectant uh, for God to be at work in, in any way that he chooses in this world. For our God is a big God who can work out of the ordinary. And may we be those, fifthly, who are happy to uh, die to self and to live for him, knowing that that is how life eternal will come about in the Lord Jesus and all he has done for us. And before.